on today's episode of Wrestling Changed My Life. Bobby, one time when I was a freshman, we had a really good team. And he, you know, we, we had a really good team. Mm-hmm. The guys were going to be OWs and stuff like that in the tournaments. He, he came up to the team one time. We're on a road trip. I think we're headed to Midlands. Um, but he said, you know, it's pretty easy to go out there and compete and be the best you can be when you know you're going to win. It takes a lot of courage to go out there and give everything you got knowing that you probably won't get your hand on well, I was a fanatic. There's no doubt a fanatic. My goal was to get carried out of the wrestling room because of exhaustion, and it never happened. The thing it did for me every day about 6 o'clock is that when I got out, I looked back in, and there was nobody else there. Bottom line was I didn't reach my goal. So guess what happened? I went back in the room again. But I got some quality time because of just some kind of a fanatic goal. Welcome back to the show, folks. Today's episode is with Sean Charles. Sean is the former head coach at Arizona State, and as a competitor, was one of the elite lightweights in the United States during the early and mid-90s. He was a four-time All-American at Arizona State, a U.S. Open champion, and made a run at a couple Olympic teams. And he's just a really fun guy to talk to, super motivating, and has some great stories. So please sit back and enjoy this one with Sean Charles. And as always, if you enjoy this episode, please subscribe to us on iTunes, Give us a rating, and for past episodes, visit WrestlingChangeMyLife.org. Thank you. Sean Charles, welcome to the podcast, man. How are you? Uh, doing well, uh, Ryan. I appreciate you having me on. Anytime. Now, we had a, a great time talking earlier this week, and I'm excited to, excited to dive into things. Sean, you said something to me earlier this week that I just could knock it out of my head, and that you, know, you started wrestling in high school as a freshman. And by the time you were a senior, you were a three-time state champ, and it hadn't been taken down your junior senior year. And then four years later, you're a four-time All-American at Arizona State. How the hell does that happen? <laughs> I just, I cannot wrap my head around it, man. That's amazing. Well, um, I'd have to say, you know, for me personally, I, I had um, good coaching in high school. And when I say good coaching, I mean, my coach taught me the basics. Uh, Mike McKinney, uh, Jim Anders, and um, uh, Todd Gorell. They taught me the basics and um, they taught me to, you know, wrestle hard the whole time I was out there and make sure when I walked off the mat, no one wanted to wrestle me again. So those are things that always stuck with me throughout my wrestling career. And then um, uh, in high, in college, I had great coaching and great workout partners. Um, and so when you put all those things together with a guy that's, you know, pretty driven and athletic um, and doesn't, doesn't like to lose, I mean, you're going to, get people you know win a lot of matches and so I really do have to credit my workout partners in high school my coaches in high school and you know definitely my workout partners and coaches in college for all the successes I had in wrestling you had some yeah some great workout partners um and we'll get into your college days but before we do I mean we can all agree that wrestling's had a huge impact on our life um and I'd love to understand just a little bit what was your childhood like like where did you grow up um and how'd you get introduced to the sport oh so um, I, I'm from a family of five, single mom, uh, brought up in Tucson, Arizona, on the east side of Tucson. In my school district, you don't get to wrestle until you get to high school. So I didn't see a mat until I was a freshman in high school, and I got dared to come to the restroom in six hour by Dave Kleinlein. Um, and, uh, you know, Dave had the wrestling shoes, the knee pads, and uh, he was ready to go, and 
he was feeling pretty good that day, and he challenged me to come to the wrestling room to wrestle with him in, in sixth hour. I didn't even know where the wrestling room was at, and um, so I, I uh, find out where it's at. I go down there in my gym clothes and my tennis shoes, and sure enough, Dave's there waiting for me. You know, so it was kind of like an after-school brawl fight type thing, <laughs> but it was going to happen in the wrestling room. And uh, Dave was uh, quite a bit bigger than me. And so, you know, I didn't care. I mean, I, I wanted to get a hold of Dave and do some things to him. So we started <laughs> wrestling, and um, I honestly didn't know anything about wrestling. So the only thing I knew was WWE. And so, you know, I was picking Dave up and slamming him down. And one time when I slammed him down, I tried to do my favorite move to him. It was the uh, Clubber, cl- cl- Clubber cl- Clutch by the Iron Sheik. I tried to get on his back and grab him by the chin. Uh, after I strapped his <laughs> I'm so, this is a true story too. And the wrestling coach pulled me off of him because he thought I was going to break his back. And then he's like, you know, we don't, we don't like that in here. Um, you know, this is a different type of wrestling. And then he proceeds to explain to me how to wrestle. He says, all you got to do is take them down and put them on their back. And if you do that, you're going to do really well in wrestling. And in my head, I'd never wrestled before. And I was like, but that's all I have to do is take them down and put them on their back. Okay. I can do that. So me and Dave went at it some more and, uh, I took him down a bunch of times and kept putting him on his back. And so the coach started putting out other guys against me, guys that had wrestled before. Because remember, this is like a wrestling practice, like a before-the-season practice. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was wrestling with these guys. And most of these kids were quite a bit bigger than me. But most of them didn't have any experience, remember, because, you know, they didn't start wrestling until they got to high school. So now he starts giving me kids that are more experienced, you know, been there since the, you know, freshman year and now they're juniors and seniors and they're more my size. And, uh, you know, I'm still taking them down and, you know, and putting them on their back. And he's like, you know, you could do pretty good at wrestling if you wanted to. So you should come back the next day. And I was like, I don't know if I'm going to come back because I was also a soccer player and wrestling and soccer in Arizona going on the same time. So I was thinking about trying for the soccer. And, uh, so uh, Mike McKinney, Coach McKinney, he, uh, you know, uh, tells me to come back. And the next day I come back and he had a pair of used wrestling shoes for me. And um, I'll never forget it because I was like, you know, that was really cool of him because, you know, I was just working out of my gym shoes, you know, the day before. So he already had some used wrestling shoes for me to wrestle with. So I, you know, strapped him on, felt pretty good about, you know, having some wrestling shoes at this point and um, proceeded to do some more wrestling. Coach McKinney really wanted me to come out for the team. So I, I went home and I asked my mom if I could go out for wrestling. And she told me I couldn't. She, she didn't think I should wrestle. She didn't, she didn't know anything about it and didn't think I should wrestle. So I go back and I tell Coach McKinney I can't wrestle. My mom won't let me. So he decides to have me just show up to the practices until season starts. And if, if, um, if need be, he would go and talk to my mom. So we went on with like this for about a month. And he would bring me home from practice and drop me off at the bottom of my street so my mom wouldn't see him drop me off and I would just walk in, you know, so that she didn't know I was at wrestling practice or club practice. So long story short, my wrestling season is getting ready to start. Coach McKinney comes over to my house and uh, sit down in the living room with my mom and uh, proceeds to convince her to let me wrestle on the wrestling team. Wow. So that's all I got. That's crazy. And like what a, you know, as a coach, you would love to have a guy, you know, with your ability and your mindset to come in out of nowhere. But at the same time, for you to have someone who took such an interest in you and went the extra mile, it's really just a, a very fortunate coincidence that those two things collided, so to speak. 
Yeah, I mean, I, to this day, I still talk to my high school coach, Coach McKinney, Coach Anders, uh, Ty Garrell. They're still really good friends. Um, I mean, the kind of guys that show up at my birthday parties, even to this day. I mean, they're just good people, always have been. And, um, yeah, but, uh, you know, my uh, Coach McKinney had to convince my mom to let me wrestle. The, the, the funniest part about it all is I was the guy that really wanted to wrestle. And I liked, I liked the hard work. I liked the being able to, you know, pick people up and slam them down and be tough and rough with people. And, and my mom really didn't understand that side of me. You know, so she thought I was a kid that was going to be getting hurt in wrestling when I was the one trying to hurt the other kids. And so that's yeah. what always been a funny thing to me in my my brain. And, you know, um, you know, Coach McKinney could see that I had the tenacity and the work ethic to be good. And he, he just persistently pursued it, you know, while I was in high school. And what's crazy to me is listening to you hear, the, hear you tell the story is your freshman year, it's you and the high school coach in your living room. And then just, you know, four, really three and a half short years later, it's people like Jim Zaleski in your living room. It's people like Bobby Douglas in your living room. Then he ultimately ended up going with the red hot Arizona state at the time. And for people who don't know this, you know, Arizona state had won the nationals in 88 first team outside of Iowa, Oklahoma to win. I mean, they 20 some years, they got second 89 and 90. Um, and so they were red hot. And so you end up going to Arizona state, uh, talk us through what it was like transitioning out of you know, Tucson to go into Arizona State and wrestling on a Division One program. Well, for me, it was it was it was crazy. For one thing, I, I only wrestled during high school wrestling season, so Arizona wrestling season is only about three months, and that's the only time I'd I'd really wrestle. I never wrestled cadets or juniors or anything like that. Never wrestled freestyle uh, until I got to um, college. So when I got to college, I was you know very naive. I didn't know a lot about uh, you know, how to, you know, really how to manage your weight. I didn't know how to really, uh, practice, you know, three, four hours a day. I didn't even know at the time when I went to Arizona state, I didn't know that there was an extra minute added to the time. Um, so, <laughs> so the funny story was we we're in practice and I kept like, you know, we kept doing these, uh, uh, three minute periods. Right. And I'm like, man, this must be because coach Douglas is trying to get us in shape. You know, uh, Marco Sanchez, like, because I kept going, well, why do we always wrestle in the first minute, in the first period, three minutes? And you try to get us in shape. He's like, no, it's three minutes in college, you know, because in high school it's two, two, two. So I didn't even know until Marco Sanchez explained to me that, uh, you know, you go three, two, two in college. So I was just a naive kid that just was uh, willing to do whatever the coach told me to do to be successful at it. And um, so what were those, like, what was Bobby Douglas like in the, in the, you know, late 80s, early 90s when you were there. I mean, what, what were practices like? Give us some insight into that. Uh, practices were crazy. And you got to remember a kid that's only wrestled three months out of the year for four years, and now you're doing it 24-7, you know, 365 days out of the year. So for me, it was, it was very hard, very difficult. And Bobby was a very tough coach. Tough in the fact that, uh, you know, um, you know, you had, he was, you had to do it the way he wanted you to do it. And you had to, train hard you had to show up to practice and be on time and you had to be willing to compete it was like uh it was like having a bunch of uh uh bulldogs and throwing them in a pit and letting them just fight to the top that's kind of how it was when i was a freshman sophomore junior uh at arizona state um he always recruited the best kids he could get so i mean any given year you could have number one kid at your weight class challenging you for for your position so you know for me that was a great thing because i always had great workout partners 
but he was a tough coach for me. I mean, uh, one, one story I'll never forget is um, it was my junior year. We're getting ready for something, and Coach Douglas decided to give everybody some time off. So he started practice. Everyone stretched out, got warmed up. Then he started cutting guys. He cut Ray Miller. He cut Marco Sanchez. And I'm waiting for him to cut me about, you know, you know, any time, you know, within 30 minutes of the practice. And uh, he cuts a bunch of the starters, and he tells me I have to do three matches before I leave practice. I was mad. I was pissed. I was like, all right, forget this. I'm out of here. Uh, so I walked to the locker room, told him I was going to quit the team. I walked to the locker room, decided, yeah, I would never give him the satisfaction of me quitting the team because he told me to do something. So I walked back in the room, uh, did my three matches, uh, smashed the guys because I was really upset about having to do three matches. In the <laughs> you know, I, I coached with Bobby, and I brought this up to him about that experience, but he always saw something in me that I might not even saw in myself. And so he always tried to challenge me and push me. Um, that was his uh, reasoning behind why he pushed me so hard. And that was just one example, but why he pushed me so hard so often um, and made me do always the extra to get me where I want to go. So, you know, I appreciated that. I appreciate it to this day. Did he remember that story when you talked to him oh, about it? Oh, he definitely, yeah, because I quit the team. I, I quit, walked in the locker room, yeah. sat there for about 10, 15 minutes, regained my composure, went back in and did what he wanted me to do. It's funny, you know, the, the stories you hear about Bobby Douglas are that, obviously, extremely, extremely tough coach, but had the ability to, to pick you back up when need be. Um, is that something you experienced when you were working with him? For sure, for sure. I, I, you know, there's only a few people that know this story. My, I was coached by Bobby Douglas and Melvin Douglas. Melvin Douglas um, was, is a great coach, great, great technician. I mean, probably one of the best technicians that you can actually have in front of you. This guy knows, he, he knows wrestling. Then you have Bobby Douglas, another great technician, knows wrestling. A story that uh, has always had, has transformed the way, you know, me being a four-time All-American. My freshman year, I was wrestling in the blood round uh, against a Division II two-time national champ. This is when they still had the Division II guys being able to qualify. Right. And um, Melvin, he's a happy-go-lucky guy. And uh, I loved him in my corner because he kept it light, kept it easy, and just let me wrestle. Um, so he cornered me a lot. Bobby was, you know, a lot more rough from the corners. And sometimes he could actually put more pressure on you than need be, you know, competing. So I used to like to have Melvin in my corner. So it's in the blood round. We're doing really well in the tournament. We're, you know, right in the hunt to win this bad boy. And um, I'm wrestling Division II, two-time national champ. Before the match, Melvin comes up to me. He's like, just go hard. He's going to get tired and you're going to be able to beat this dude, and you're going to be an All-American, right? So I'm thinking, okay, I can be an All-American, all right? Cool, cool. And so I go out there. This dude did not get tired, and he was strong. <laughs> he was fast, and we battled. And this is back when you, when you went overtime, you wrestled another match. You wrestled another 1-1-1 match. Wow. And so me and – I can't think of his name off the top of my head, but we go into overtime. Now, in the overtime period, you got to go to your corner – for one minute before they started the next match. So you had to do a one-one-one. So um, NCAA tournament's going on. Bobby sees me sitting down. I'm sitting on my butt. And um, the, the guy that I was wrestling was over in the corner bouncing. And I'll never forget this because Bobby comes uh -oh. out of nowhere. He comes out of nowhere. And Melvin is fanning me. And I'm looking over at my guy over there bouncing. And I'm thinking to myself, man, 
I don't know if I could wrestle another three minutes against this dude because he was tough. He was strong, fast. I mean, I could not take him down. And uh, Bobby comes over all in a panic, you know, because we're in the team race and everything. He's like, I'll never forget this, and this is a true story. He says, you could do it for your, for your team. And he, I didn't give him any reaction. I'm just sitting there getting fanned. And he's like, you could do it for, you know, you got to do it for yourself. You got to go out there and wrestle hard for yourself. Still no reaction. He says, you got to do it for your mom. And I'm like, well, why would you have to bring my mom into this? And that's because all I did, I said it very calmly. I was like, why do you have to bring my mom into this? And that was enough to make me go back out there and wrestle hard again for another three minutes. And I actually took him down to beat him to become, an, uh, become a freshman All-American. So, that's incredible. Now it's, it's almost unbelievable to think that someone could wrestle three months a year in high school, not wrestle freestyle or Greco, not go to Fargo, um, come into college, red shirt but then being contention for a medal right away it's almost unbelievable so i have to ask like, was there something like deep down like some uh like possessed party that was driving you like what what motivated you to uh to push through a match like that or to push through um really the the unbelievable odds you were up against even if you didn't know it at the time you know i um i don't know i'm, I'm i think myself <laughs> as a person um like yeah. i said i I, uh, you know, I trained hard. I, I listened well to the coaching. Um, I liked winning and I was used to winning. Like I, I did other sports besides wrestling, you know, throughout high school. And so I was right. used to winning. And, um, you know, I, I would put myself, uh, I think, mentally and physically in the best position where I could go out there and be the best I could possibly be. And um, I think of myself as a great competitor. You put me out there, I'm going to, I'm going to wrestle. I'm going to, I'm not going to, stand around and look at you. I'm going to, uh, you know, see what I could do and see if I can make things work when I'm out there competing. And, and the, uh, the mental piece of it is something that I'm, I'm, I've always been fascinated in. So do you remember, you know, if you're in the tunnel at the nationals or, or you're, you're on deck, maybe, do you remember some of the self-talk you would give yourself before a big match? Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, one of the things is, and I've talked to some of my athletes about this as well, you know, there's a lot of pressure in wrestling. And a lot of it is we make up ourselves, but there's a lot of pressure when you, you know, getting ready to wrestle in the finals or getting ready for that um, semifinal match against someone that you know is just as tough as you. Bobby, one time when I was a freshman, we had a really good team. and he, You know, we, we had a really good team. Mm -hmm. The guys were going to be OWs and stuff like that in the tournament. He, he came up to the team one time. And we we're on a road trip. I think we we're headed to Midlands. Um, but he said, you know, it's pretty easy to go out there and compete and be the best you can be when you know you're going to win. It takes a lot of courage to go out there and give everything you got knowing that you probably won't get your hand raised. And I never, ever forgot that. I never forgot that. Because he, it's 100% right. When you know you're going to win, you feel good. You know, there's nothing to bother you. Can, you know, you can be a little dinged up. But it's those matches where you don't know what the outcome is going to be if those are the matches you have to show up and compete the way you would knowing you're going to win. Like even That's if you give it your all, there's a good chance you might not get the W. And if you do, you're going to have to go to that dark place to get it done. Like that's, that's a, it can be a scary moment or obviously the great ones look forward to that stuff. It definitely is a scary moment. And I think that's what makes great wrestlers good or good, great, great athletes great is when they, make themselves vulnerable to be great and um you know i was in a weight class where you know two guys that made the olympics one olympic gold medals one a sold medalist uh, you know jason kilber that won a national championship 
and I took fifth as a freshman. So I'm telling you, I took that to heart because to go out there and know that you can outscore your opponent or beat them, you're going to do everything you can to make that happen. But to go out there and compete with that same intensity and heart, knowing that you might not win, that's what you have to do every day. I love that. And I hope that's something that I'll use going forward as well. And when you think about those matches where, you know, going into it, you knew it was going to be a war. One that comes to mind when thinking about your career is Terry Brands. I mean, obviously uh, a legendary name in the sport, Olympic bronze medalist, world champ, uh, NCAA champ a couple of times. Uh, you wrestled him in uh, the NCAA finals your junior year. Talk us through that a little bit. What was that like? Well, you know, no, I mean, I wrestled uh, Terry a bunch. I mean, I tell you what, um, um, Terry's tough. Terry was uh, very tough, strong. Uh, you know, I wrestled a lot of people in college and internationally, and I've never had a guy that I hadn't beaten that I had to wrestle more than once. And I've never beat Terry in college. I mean, so I'm going to tell you right now, I, I, I definitely – have uh, to give him his props because I tried everything to get that guy. Um, um, so getting ready for the finals of the match, I mean, I'm eager. I'm ready. I want to, I want, I loved wrestling. I really did like to wrestle him because, you know, made, made the, he, he would bring out the best of me as a competitor. I love to compete against him. Yeah. Most people I would find a way as, even if I lost to him the first time, I'd find a way I could beat him the next time around. Um, you know, maybe I have to move more, take more shots. You know, I, I, I would have to, you know, work harder off bottom. I would find a way. Um, and I'm telling you right now, I, I, I could not break. Yeah, I could not get him to break. I could not get him to um, slow down. He was strong. He wrestled hard the whole match. He never seemed to get tired. And then so, you know, you wrestled uh, internationally and then went on to coaching. And one, one thing you mentioned earlier this week that was really hilarious to me was your experience recruiting the Sanderson brothers out in Utah. Would you mind uh, sharing that story? No. So um, Cody was a senior and I was coaching at Iowa state and um, I had done camps for um, Steve um, when I was at Arizona state. So I, mean, I knew what the Sanderson's were and actually and that's, their was, dad. No, that's their dad. That's the Sanderson's dad. Um, so uh, when I was at our state, you know, we decided we wanted to start recruiting Cody, and we knew if we got one, we were going to get all three of them. Or all, all, all at the time, uh, Kyler was really young; he was like six years younger than everyone else. So we knew we were going to get the other two if we got one. And um, so I went out and I spent some time with the family right before Christmas. Um, and uh, you know, uh, the kids were very, very competitive. There was this uh, game called Excite Bike. And um, I didn't know how to play it at the time. And I was there for three or four days. And um, I would stay up and I would play this game because they were really good at it. And they were, you know, always taunting me about the record and how they owned the record. So anyway, the night before I was leaving, I stayed up and I, and I broke the record. And uh, they were taking me to the airport. And at the airport, they were dropping me off. And I, I uh, informed the kids that I was the world champ. And they're like, what do you mean the world champ? I said, I'm the world champ. I got, I got the record now. And I'm the world champion. <laughs> these dudes were hot. They were really upset that I was leaving, you know, with the record. And uh, about a week later, I get a phone call out of nowhere from, um, I don't know if it was Cody or Kale, but that one of them had broke my record. And um, I'll never forget, I was telling Coach Douglas, I said, you know what, we really want to get these kids because they're just really competitive. I mean, at the end of the day, they do not like to lose. I mean, 
even in the littlest things. I mean, shooting, they have a little basketball hoop at their house. And uh, yeah. you shoot the baskets, you know, um, and it gives you points. I mean, they would they yep. would argue about that. They just did not like to lose in anything. And so I was like, you know what? I think we we really want to get Cody because I'm telling you, at the end of the day, he's going to be a good wrestler because he just is a, a kid that is going to find a way to win, and he hates not to be the winner at the end of the day. And we ended up getting him to come to Iowa State, Cody, and uh, the rest is history. That's incredible. I mean, the notion of being ultra competitive is something that really comes through in talking with you. You coached some some incredible guys, Ben Askren, Anthony Robles, when you were head coach at Arizona State, you had Tyron Woodley, Michael Chandler. Um, and so obviously the, the competitiveness is probably there with all those guys. But um, what sticks out, you know, coaching someone like uh, like a Woodley versus an Askren? You know, what, what are some I, I of the common characteristics? I never coached Woodley okay. College. I actually coached against him. I coached Ben um, to uh, uh, the Olympic team in, um, to, for, in China when we, you know, when the Olympics were in China. And I'm going to tell you uh, the thing about Ben: um, very, very competitive, um, strong. Uh, I mean, uh, he's the kind of guy that if he gets his hands locked, um, Nine times out of ten, he's going to score if he can just get his hands locked. And I used to make fun of him. I used to say, man, you got like, you're like Rain Man. You know, the movie Rain Man. I used to tell him, <laughs> yeah. like Rain Man because um, if he got his hands locked, I, there was nothing anybody could do. He's going to be able to build in and score, build out and score. And um, I've coached a lot of guys. I've seen a lot of wrestling. I would definitely say that Ben, folk style wrestling, is probably the best folk style wrestler out there. there I don't think there's... I don't think there's – I don't know if there's anyone that can actually beat him uh, straight up in a folk style match. He's that good. Really? Wow. That's crazy. I mean, not that surprising. I Obviously, he's the man. Um, do you, how do you see him doing in the UFC? Well, I think the reason he, they brought him in there is so that he can, you know, go against a guy like Khabib, and he's going to out-wrestle him. He's going to take him down he beats and run a pound him. Everyone yeah. thinks I'm crazy, but yeah, I think he beats Khabib. I know you probably feel the same way. A hundred percent. Ben's going to out-wrestle him and then um, get on top and ground and pound. I mean, any of those guys. I mean, a guy like Conor McGregor, stands, he doesn't stand a chance against a guy like Ben. Doesn't. No. It's not even, it's not even a contest. He's going to get taken down, and there's nothing he's going to do about it. He's going to get really, really tired and get beat. Yeah. And are you a fan of UFC? You know what? I don't really watch a lot of it. Um, you know, I, I, I've coached a lot of guys, like you mentioned, uh, Michael Chandler, and I helped Woodley get into the UFC. And, um, you know, I, I went, you know, a lot of the rest, a lot of the fighters are from Arizona State. But I just really, you know, if it's on, I'll watch it. But I don't, um, you know, uh, buy the pay-per-view or anything like that. Really? That's crazy to me. Because, yeah, I mean, think about, Cain Velasquez probably wasn't at Arizona State when you were there. It's probably a little bit before, before your right. time, um, before when you were the head coach. But, yeah, I mean, Michael Chandler is one of – I wish he was in the UFC. He's one of the top um, 155 fighters in the world, Bellator champ right now. Would you have any idea when you coached him that he would go on to, uh, to, to be one of the best in the world? Or what was he like when you were coaching him? Oh, tough. I'm talking tough, strong, um, uh, you know, it goes back to very competitive. Uh, I'll tell you a very funny story. Um, yeah. So we were headed 
to a tournament one time. It was me, Michael, Ch- Michael Chandler, uh, Mark Ellis. Uh, I can't remember who else was in the, in the car with me or the van with me. So we're headed to some uh, tournament and we got into a serious conversation about wrestling. And, you know, Michael Chandler is tough. I'm talking real tough. And he had made a comment about him being tough. And I was like, you know what? I don't know if you're that tough, Mike. And I think this was his junior year. <laughs> and so now the conversation gets kind of heated. He goes, what, what do you mean, coach? I said, well, you know, I watched you, I watched you wrestle all the time. And, you know, there's, there's times when you go out in your matches, and you have kind of like a brain fart, like you'll come out of your stance or you don't hold good position or you don't work hard off bottom. And I go, for me, a tough guy does all those things. You know, when the match gets tough, they just get tougher. And I said, sometimes I'm watching you and you, you're, you'll, you'll get outscored by someone that I know you might be tougher than them, but you're not tough enough in that moment to get it done. Oh, he was pissed. He was pissed. Oh, my God, I bet. And he didn't talk to me the rest of the trip. And so we get back to practice the next week, and he comes into my office, and he's still mad about that comment that I made to him. And uh, he says, well, what do I got to do to show you how tough I am? I said, well, you know, it's not about showing me how tough you are. It's really about doing those things in the heat of a moment that you have to do to show everyone else that you're tough. And so we, we, we actually went through some things and I said, well, one of the things I need you to do is you've got to be a better leg attacker. So after practice, I need you to, you know, you know I need you to hit a hundred shots in this dummy. We had a dummy in the back room. And, um, you know, that's one thing that's going to show me that you're willing to be tough enough to win these matches in, in, the, in those tough situations. Another thing is you've got to stay in your stance. He had this habit of, Wanted to grab you so badly, he would walk at you like Frankenstein and guys would be all over his legs. And so, you know, you got to stay in your stance. Tough guy stays in their stance because if they give up their legs against someone else's tough, they get the opportunity to get beat. And if mm-hmm. you don't want to get the, get the opportunity to get any beat, you just got to stay in your stance. And so, uh, um, you know, he started that day and he hitting 100 shots in practice. You know, he'd come over to me. He's like, hey, every time you see me on my, my stance, coach, Make sure you tell me to get back in my stance. I said, all right, cool. So, you know, we went on for this for about four or five weeks. Long story short, I mean, the dude uh, was a beast. I'm talking uh, a, a, a beast. I mean, I've seen him go against guys and get beat by them one year to the next year that he's majoring all these guys that uh, had beaten him before. And um, it's because he was willing to, you know, take the advice, listen. Yeah, it did upset him. But, you know, he's a, he's a man, and he understood that there were some things that he needed to fix in his game to be better, and he made sure he corrected them. And he's, he's, I, I tell you right now, that dude's a beast. He's a tough kid. You, he, and uh, he's willing to go and fight and do all it takes as for as long as it's going to take. He's not going to quit. So that's why he's man. a torch. He's a real deal. Those stories about – I mean, that, that that's like where you might make or break someone, right? I mean, he – this kind of like what, what Coach Douglas did with you. They, they push you to the brink, and, you know, a true champion uh, keeps going forward. And someone who's maybe not cut out for it, that's when they might back off. And, and even though they might still show up for practice, mentally they've, they've checked themselves out. So he definitely wasn't like that. He kept going through. If you had to look back on all your memories of wrestling and all the experiences you had, what is it about it that you love so much? Uh, what do I love so much about wrestling? Yeah, like what, what, and what has it taught you about life? Well, I mean, for me, I mean, um, wrestling is kind of like an opportunity to have an alter ego. Whereas when you're on the mat, you, you definitely have to be physical. You have to be aggressive. Um, you have to, 
really be determined. You can't quit. Um, um, you have to be tough, right? But then off the mat, you don't have to be that way. Um, you could be a very nice kid and go to school and get good grades. And for me, it was always that opportunity to, to you know, I always had that fighter's mentality in me to begin with mm-hmm. um, as a young man or, you know, in high school, junior high. Um, so it, was, it allowed me to get that part of me out. But also when I was done wrestling or done competing, I could go and just be a regular guy and do the regular things. What it's taught to me is, you know, set goals for yourself and work hard for them. Dream big. If you, you know, I, I, I mean, to be honest with you, I never dreamt about being an All-American. I didn't even know what it was until I got to Arizona State. So it wasn't like I sat around, you know, dreaming about being an All-American. I, 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 I didn't know. I never sat around dreaming about the Olympics until I got to Arizona State. But once I, I got there, I started thinking about those things. And, you know, um, you know so it, it taught me how to, if you want something, set a goal and dream big. Don't, don't dream, dream small. Don't just want to be an All-American. You want to be the national champ. Don't want to just be the, you know, a guy that places at the uh, U.S. Open, win it. You know, right. Um, so um, it just really sh- taught me how to uh, set goals and focus myself on what I wanted and, and do everything I could to try to get it. Absolutely. I mean, I think that's why that's why we all love it is that it, it really is kind of a microcosm for life because it shows you, you know, if you work hard, if you're if you're disciplined, if you're persistent. Many times things will work out in the end, but I think more importantly, it shows you if they don't work out, they, hey, that's part of it too, right? I think a lot of people who don't get involved with athletics, they don't realize the pain of, of maybe not accomplishing a goal, whether it's not placing at state or not qualifying for state or, or not winning the nationals, whatever it is, everyone's felt that pain. And, you know, you've realized in the real world, that pain happens all the time, right? And then mm-hmm. you got to get used to moving past that and not letting it destroy you. Because a lot of people, I think, get hung up on that if it's the first time they're experiencing it in the real world. For sure. For sure. You know, um, one of the things is, and I, I, I've coached a lot of guys and I always tried to make sure they understood a couple of really important things about the sport of wrestling. And, uh, you know, and, and when I think about this, I think about my son, he wrestled for a while. He was a, little, he was a state champ and um, he was a tough little wrestler, decided when he got to high school, he wanted to play tennis. So that's a different story. Mm-hmm. So, but, one of the things that I always would talk, talk to these guys about is not to quit because the sport of wrestling is very interesting. And, and this is from my, from my perspective. You, you, there's two guys out there. Both people want to win, right? So, and both of them yeah. are trained and done all these things. A lot of times, you know, uh, people want to win and they want to win in the first period and be done um, or they want to win in the second period and be done. But the reality is when you're wrestling, the better person you wrestle, the harder it's going to be a hard, hard, harder it's going to be to win in the first period or second period. It's going to be a dragged out scrap match. And at the end of it all, you just want to be the person when you walk out there that doesn't quit. As long as you don't quit and the other guy quits before you, you're probably going to win. It's amazing that that's easy to say, you and I talking, but you know, until you've really felt like the burn in your legs or the burn in your lungs or your, your forearm just so sore you can't grip anything, that's when it really kicks into gear. But I mean, if you can do it under those circumstances, you can do it anything, you know, especially outside of life, uh, wrestling and life in general. Life in general, you just can't quit. Yeah, I mean, that's it. you get pushed down, um, you get back up, and you keep trying, you keep trying, and eventually you're going to break through. 
I tell you, I used to have some really great conversations with Ben. Ben's a really intelligent guy. And um, I tell you, one of the things that I realized about wrestling, and this is when I was coaching at the University of Missouri, so this is, this is right before I came to Arizona State, but the, the best wrestlers are the wrestlers that actually understand how to be comfortable in uncomfortable situations. And so when I think about a Michael Chandler, I think about a Ben, I think about Anthony Robles, these guys, their arms are tired. They're physically tired. They're, they're dealing with the pressures and the stresses of having feet, but they've learned how to deal with stressful situations to the point where it's not stressful for them anymore. It's like you've got to learn how to be comfortable being uncomfortable. And that's hard. And it, sounds, that kind of, it actually sounds kind of crazy when you say it that way, but that's truly how you become a great wrestler. Because you're going to get uncomfortable out there, but you got to embrace it. You got to like it. Yeah, there's no way you're going to go through a match and not be tired. It's just impossible. Do you want to shift into some rapid fire questions before we let you go here? Is that okay? Okay. Okay. Best wrestling memory. Best wrestling memory. I would have to say winning the U.S. Open. Wow, absolutely. Yeah, that's, uh, I have to say winning the U.S. Open. I mean, the, I mean, the weight class was always stacked and tough um, at 136, 138. And so um, finally winning that, that was probably my best uh, wrestling memory. So, you, man, you were battling with Kendall Cross, Perler, um, Tom Brands, obviously. Terry Brands a little bit light. So you were battling against all those guys in the freestyle. Yeah, days. Terry Colat, John Fisher. Um, oh, Colat was sneaking in there too. Yeah, Colat was there. Steiner's, uh, I think it was Terry Steiner. Uh, I wrestled him in the finals. Um, you know, Alan Freed. I mean, there was there were a lot of tough kids, tough guys at that weight. Man, that's brutal. Absolutely, and that's when the U.S. was was pretty dominant too. I mean, just as good as we are now, if not better. World champs in '93 and '95. So those were some loaded teams. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. I didn't know if your best memory would be meeting Bill Clinton. I saw that video. That's pretty cool as well. <laughs> uh, no, that was kind of cool. Um, but no, it wasn't my best memory of wrestling. Best memory yeah. of wrestling definitely have to be winning my first state championship and then uh, pops uh, and then um, winning the U.S. Open. My, my first yeah. state championship was um, pretty exciting because I was re- wrestling the returning state champ. And um, my first year in wrestling, the guy beat me 22 to two. First year I ever wrestled him, my first year, he beat me 22 to two. That's when they didn't have the tech ball rule. Right. And then next year, um, uh, I beat him in the state finals. Same kid that beat me 22 to two the year before. So it was pretty exciting. I still can't get over how quickly you progress through the sport. I just, obviously, incredible genetics, but just an incredible work ethic as well. It's, it's just unbelievable to think that someone can beat you 22 to two the next year you beat them for the state title and you've only been wrestling really six months if you consider the season was three months each that's crazy mm-hmm. okay so two more here um you mentioned earlier this week that you know, the, the theme of this podcast you know, wrestling saved my life or wrestling changed my life really drove home to you what do you mean by that how, how did the sport either change or save your life so to speak um, well, because I was a, a pretty rough little dude. Um, like I said, I, I ran track, played football, and um, 
you know, I was a tough little dude and um, I needed wrestling. I mean, I, I couldn't imagine where my life would have led if I wasn't able to get on the mat and show people how tough I was in that circle. Um, I, I don't know. I probably would have gotten a lot of trouble, honestly. Um, so for me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy, my aggression, um, you know, um, set goals for myself, help me mm -hmm. get to college. You know, that was one of the things I really wanted to go to college. Um, so wrestling really did save my life. It allowed me to travel the world, see different, um, see different things and places and, you know, so yeah. Thank God that kid challenged you in that class, that six hour class. <laughs> no kidding. Cause I didn't even know the wrestling room was at. That's, that's what's so funny about it. I mean, if he doesn't challenge Crazy. me, I probably wouldn't have wrestled. That is, that's, um, hard to imagine. Um, okay. Last question is if you had to do a dream rematch from any of your any of your matches throughout your life whatever level of competition what would a dream rematch be for you if you could do one over if i could do one over um yeah hmm I, i'd like to wrestle terry brands again my junior year in the national finals that would be a good i thought that might be the one <laughs> I didn't know. I, I thought that might be the one, um, especially just because it was so close. Um, you know, a couple point match, maybe even a, a two point match. I don't know the exact score, but from what I've read, and I couldn't find the match online, but it just seemed razor close. Could have gone either way. Yeah, and I just think that you know, you know, credit to, to Terry, tough dude. I was just a young guy. I was young. I was, uh, you know, I wasn't as mature as uh, most of my, my competition at the time. I, I, I was a late bloomer, so I really didn't even start to grow or uh, anything until my junior year in college. And I just, uh, I would love to have wrestled them in freestyle. Uh, so I was a lot more mature at that point and stronger. Um, but um, yeah, I'd like to, if I could go back in time, that would be a match I'd like to do again. Man, those still, I mean, I can go on and on with these stories with you, coach, but yeah, I know you got a lot to do. So I, I, I just want to thank you again for coming on the show. And um, you have a great day, sir. Thank you. All right. I appreciate it. That's the end of this episode, but definitely not the end of the show. For more episodes, please go to wrestlingchangemylife.org. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Give us a star rating. Show the love, baby. Show the love. Thank you so much. We'll see you again soon. Peace.